Hi guys, welcome to Art Talk with April, season three. I'm April Harris of Inked April, located in Birmingham, Alabama. We have some wonderfully inspiring artists on this season. Let's get started. Hi everyone, welcome to Art Talk with April. Today we have Jeff Daly. He is a photographer. He does some of the coolest stuff with toys and so many other things, landmarks and cars and all the stuff. And online, he is custom Jeff, right? With a K. With a K. So thank you so much, Jeff, for talking to me today. I think this is going to be super fun because we were, before we started, we were just talking, nogging, 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 nogging. So how did you get started in being creative, doing photography and that kind of thing? Well, I was lucky that um, my parents always supported my weirdness. So I was I started taking pictures when I was a kid with a little Instamatic 110 and, you know, learned film photography over the years. My brother nice. had built a, a, a dark room in his apartment and taught me how to do work there. And then when I was in Germany in the army, we had a craft shop on post and uh, I learned how to really work with film and print there but i never really got great at it because it costs money to do film Mm -hmm. so once i finally was able to get a digital camera that's when i was able to get creative because if i get the stupidest idea in the world i can at least try it if it doesn't work i just delete it and i didn't waste any money and very little time so yeah i've been able to to just get crazy since then and start doing whatever catches my eye yeah that's really cool because and i well, I thought you point that out because I took um, photography in college and had to pay for all the things to yep. develop film and yep. to do all the stuff. And now we don't really even use any of that anymore. And people are taking pictures with their amazing camera phones and yep. everything else. Well, so. Believe it or not, film is making a comeback, but it's mostly the younger folks that didn't deal with film back in the day. So to them, it's as it's more novelty as far as the cons of it because it's not every, because they can always drop back and use digital if they really need to get something done. Yeah. So I think it's a little easier for those folks. Oh, that's, I've wondered about that because it always seems to like cycle through certain things, you know, like if we've got new technology for whatever it is, that thing, the way we used to do it will be cool again. Right. Sometime, you know, that's why we're all building album collections again, even though we took we got rid of all our albums and went to digital and CD over the years. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I just I mean, that's exciting, too, because then, you know, a lot about it already. And you'll be like, OK, you know, <laughs> yeah. I know where to look to get the good stuff. I don't have to weed through everything because I, I remember what was good before. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So were you sort of self-taught or did you go to school? I was definitely self-taught because back then, I mean, if I didn't have the money to develop film, I sure didn't have enough money to go go to school to learn (laughs) photography. Yeah. Um, But like I said, being in the Army, I had a little bit of advantage. I could play around. When I was in Germany, I took pictures of castles and things, and I was able to go to the craft shop and, and play with it at least at a reduced rate. And then once I got my digital camera, you know, and then finally, when more internet stuff came along, it was easier to go online and see what other people were doing and get ideas from them. And like, I started using Photoshop back with Photoshop 4. 
So that was like back 20 some years ago. So I've, I've kind of grown with Photoshop. So there's a lot, some of the new stuff I don't know how to do, but I at least know how to do it the old way. So I can still muddle through it. Yeah. 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 I mean, Photoshop updates, like every year they have some new thing. Oh yeah. Well, with the subscription, I get updates like every couple months. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. And like, there's like, um, I was just actually using Photoshop yesterday. And I want to say there's like some new AI kind of tools or filters on there. There is. I was like, this is crazy. And to keep up with all that technology while you're trying to, you know, do other things. That's why I try to do things more the older ways. Cause yeah. To me, AI is kind of neat and stuff, but I tried, I want it to be my work, not some software's work. Yeah. And I don't think it's at that place. I don't think it's gotten as good yet to where it's going to make this amazing, you know, thing out of something that you're doing. So, right. And it takes away the fun of it too. That's exactly creativity. Exactly. So when did how did you get into doing the the toy photography and like what is your process there? Well, I started actually taking pictures of toys decades ago, just playing around. Yeah. And then as I got into digital, I was able to play with it more. And I got into photography uh, through motorcycles, custom motorcycles. Um, I started doing photo shoots for friends of mine's motorcycles and getting them put in magazines. I've had like. 15 or so features in national motorcycle magazines, um, which there's no money in that. So that's why I didn't pursue that into the car side. When I got out of motorcycles, I went into car doing car stuff. But through that time, I started playing with the toys. And then I started selling pictures of landscapes and motorcycles and stuff at like motorcycle swap meets. And then I started introducing a couple of toy pictures here and there. And they actually started doing good. So I kept adding more. Now now the toy thing has taken over, and that's mostly what I do. Like, I've got my table behind me that's just covered with diorama and toys right now that, uh, you know, re- ready for the next round. Yeah, yeah. So you, like, um, <clears throat> create the scenes and everything, right? Or are you right. seeing things from... Well, it depends. Like, some pictures, like, I've got some examples here. Let's see, probably on the bottom of the stack. Like this picture, that's on one of the viaducts downtown Birmingham. There's nice. actually a PVC frame that I built, and he's hanging from fishing string. And nice. then I shoot him with the real buildings behind him. And then, like, um, so, so like the rope coming off his billy cub, I had that in Photoshop. And, like, if it was Spider-Man, I would add the webs with Photoshop. And so that, I try to do that as real as I can. But then there's other ones, like this. Well, that's a diorama that's actually printed on cardboard that I buy, and then I can put the figures in front of it and take the pictures and make it look more realistic. It's, uh, oh, there's so a lot fun. of resources out there for us toy photographers now that there didn't used to be. Yeah. So do you get your, your um, supplies and stuff for anywhere particular to do that? There's a company called ExtremeSets.com, yeah. and they – it's literally cardboard boxes that they print on and you fold it into the shape to be what you want. Like I've got a building back here. It's a three dimensional one, two, three story building. That's wow. really just a cardboard box. It's printed on and has pieces folded and cut and to make it like a real building. Oh, that's amazing. Yep. That, Oh, my son would be all over that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. They're not cheap, but they are cool. Yeah. 
<laughs> now that might be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so have you ever tried to like make some things yourself and go in that I direction too? I do. I do that sometimes. Um, like I've got bookshelves in my room at home, my little man cave. Yeah. And I've got a couple of them set up to be little miniature stages for Kiss figures, the, the band Kiss. Right. Yeah. I got two different scales. And um, oh, so I got, cool. I mean, yeah, I printed out, I've got pictures of the Marshall amps and printed them at the right scale and taped them to the back and the Kiss logo. And then I have the figures in front of it. And like the one set, one stage I have set up, it's sized for six inch figures. Yeah. So I had it as a Kiss stage. Well, then I got the crazy idea that, wait a minute, these are the same scale as these other superheroes and the guitars fit. So I started taking the guitars and turned a whole bunch of superheroes into rock stars. I've got a whole series <laughs> called rock heroes and it's like the bat family band. And I've got one where it's the Stormtroopers and Darth Vader's a band. Yeah. And, um, so just stuff like that. And we got the, the good people from star Wars, like Luke and Leia and everybody there in a band. Chewbacca's the bass player, of course, because bass players are always supposed to be big and dominate the background. <laughs> And then, oh, like with the so with the Marvel superheroes, I've got more Spider Man's a drummer because he's back there doing the little yeah. you know devil hands in the air and stuff. It's oh, crazy. <laughs> it's kind of silly, but it's fun. People like it. Yeah, I'm mean, like, how do you feel about like? So I imagine you have to be pretty creative to think about like the different shots that you would want to take, and like you know, like you have your your image where you're using the buildings in the background to kind of create a scene or something that's mm -hmm. happening. Do you think ahead as far as what you're wanting to do and then go about like going to find the right buildings or something like that? Or is it one of those kinds of things where you're like suddenly inspired to have with this idea and you think on it a while or a little bit of both. Yeah. Sometimes I just go to a spot and I'm like, these guys need to be shot here. Yeah. And then sometimes I'm like, I want to shoot these people. Where will it work? And so it kind of depends on which way the idea comes as to which way I go about it. Like I've taken a ton of pictures of toys down on Morris Avenue, like um, yeah. the viaduct near the old peanut company. I took pictures of the 66 Batman Batmobile with Batman and Robin jumping out like they're running into the building. Yeah. And I'm really using a little TV table across the street from the building with the car sitting on it and then i back up i pose them and then i zoom in and shoot through them to get the force perspective that they are the right scale to be in front of that building yeah got like another picture of an old iron trestle bridge i did the same thing with the batmobile from the front with them riding in it and then i back up and shoot through and it looks like they're driving across the bridge wow it's just oh, a lot of forced perspective kind of stuff. And what a lot of toy photographers do is they use macro lenses and zoom in on their figures. I like to back up and zoom and zoom in on them because it gives a different compression to my pictures and kind of makes them look a little more lifelike, a little real, because it just looks like I was shooting a picture of a scene instead of trying to be all zoomed in on some hero's face. Oh, that's interesting. Because mm -hmm. I was wondering about that, like if you were using, so you're, you're using, I want to say you said Nikon, Nikon cameras. I, I do shoot Nikon, but a macro lens is one that's designed for shooting really close to something. Yeah. And a lot of, that's what a lot of toy photographers use, but I don't. I tend to back up and use a zoom lens mm -hmm. because it gives, a, like I said, a different compression to the picture. 
Yeah. Okay. And so also too, like I imagine, I mean, you're collecting these figures and toys, oh, right? Yeah. Are they yeah, collectible? They're, they're the yeah. ones that people want or are Sometimes. they like, it, it depends. People come up to each other and tell them, hey, do you, well, I've got these old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or whatever. You could use them to shoot. And it's like, no, I really can't because the old toys do not have good articulation and they all look like little German stormtroopers marching around with nothing but <laughs> shoulders and hips moving. And you can't pose them. I like to use the modern figures and most of them aren't very valuable. They're not valuable when I'm done with them because I immediately rip them out of the package. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I tell everybody they're, they're they're not valuable unless you're enjoying them. Yeah, take yeah. your toys out and play with them. And then, like, um, how do you get them to like stand up in certain positions? Are you using like something particular, or are you like kind of rigging? It's a little bit there? of everything. Depends on the figure. A lot of figures will stand in poses. You can get them, and they will stand there at least long yeah. enough for you to jump back and shoot. Sometimes I have to use it like a doll stand that I'll. Uh, Photoshop uh -huh. out later on, or I may use fishing string, or I may use double stick tape. It just depends on what what the shot I want to do is. Like this one of She-Hulk. Uh, yeah. Everybody's standing on their own. When oh, I saw wow. that figure had those hands that were spread like that for her, I was like, oh, that's perfect. I can stick somebody in her hands. Yeah. And then this, the guy she's holding, he's one of my favorite figures because he's, I think Marvel just made him up for toy photographers because he's the only one that has a face that expressive. And he gets beat up by everybody. Like, <laughs> there he is, Wonder Woman kicking his butt in that picture. Oh, it's awesome! <laughs> so yeah, he he's my he's my go-to guy to get beat up by everybody. Oh, that's fun. I and sometimes, of, go ahead. I don't even think about like how they're designed, and you know, there's probably they probably are thinking about toy photographers and some of these expressions. And things. I think they're starting to now, like. That guy, I also used him in a cover for a book a friend of mine did, uh, but I pop, I took his head off and put a different head on it. That's the great thing about most of these. You can like pop pieces, it's like the heads are interchangeable within, within a certain line, like the Marvel Legends line. You can just pop their heads off and mix and match them. So I needed a guy that looked like he's standing around in a jacket to be this private investigator my friend was writing about, but he didn't need to have that look on his face. So I put like Tony Stark's head on him. And uh, so he's got a mustache and everything. And I photoshopped the face a little bit, so it's not quite Tony Stark. But but yeah, it was look good on the. It's the cover of my friend's book um, that he released, and wow. I shot that one with a twelve-inch figure shooting yeah. through his legs, and he's holding like a chain to this guy standing in front of a car. So the two figures, being the different scale, they only had to be this far apart to look like they were twenty feet apart. Wow! And I shot that on my kitchen table because it had a shiny top, so it looked like they were on a rainy surface. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so yeah, you have to look at all these little things and see how they work with your pictures. Yeah. And I imagine that like throughout your day, you're like, oh, you're paying attention to like everything around you and noticing mm -hmm. different surfaces, oh, and yeah. different scene areas. Like, I don't know, yeah. man. It, it, and you start looking at how you can customize figures. There was this comic book series that I, I fell in love with. It was really goofy. It was 1960s biker movies crossed with Planet of the Apes. Oh my so God. So the bikers were all apes and they were, you know, it's like their motorcycle was club was called the humans. Yeah. The actual, actual humans were, you know, 
kind of like they were in Planet of the Apes, not really smart or whatever. They were just kind of enslaved or whatever. But <laughs> it's a silly series. So I literally took Planet of the Apes Mego figures yeah. and then made little biker clothes for them. Oh, that's so crazy. They were in like blue jeans from Dukes of Hazzard or whatever. And like denim shirt from Dukes of Hazzard. got the sleeves off and it's a denim yeah. biker vest. And then I went online and found the club patches from old 60s biker movies, made little iron-ons and ironed them on the back of their jackets. So oh. the, there's these apes running around with the club patch from Joe Namath's, you know, movie back in the 60s, you know, C.C. Ryder. <laughs> so people, you know, people my age see and go, I remember that movie. Wait a minute, that's an eight. What what is this? <laughs> and then I figured out the Franklin meant uh motorcycle models are the right scale. So I got all these different, I got a whole series of them camping and doing oh all kinds gosh. of craziness. <laughs> so okay, you're taking all these pictures, you're doing all this stuff. Are you um getting them developed anywhere particular or like printing on certain kinds of paper or how are you putting it together for like purchasing well of course i do all my own editing and printing myself i did i print all my own pictures up to um 13 by 19 that's as large as my printer can go i also sell canvas prints but i send those off to be made because obviously i don't have the fifty thousand dollars for that special giant size yeah, machine yeah. for that but, uh, but yeah, cool. I can print up to 13 by 19. And um, I usually print at sizes where I can ma I make sure my mats are all standard frame sizes. Because that's one thing I tell young artists, always make your art easy to frame or ready to hang. Otherwise, people get mad because they can't. They got to pay $200 to frame their $50, you know, art print. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I can print. I'm, like, I'll print 11 by 13 by 19 and mat it to 16 by 20, and people are happy with it. So that makes that part happy. But, um, but yeah, I just, you know, like I say, I print it myself. I get them printed for the bigger things. And I just try to make it as easy as I can for people to get my stuff. Yeah, yeah. that may, That's a really good bit of advice because that's actually something that I've come across myself where somebody yep. came back and they were like, you know, this didn't have enough edge on it for me to be able to frame it and get your signature or whatever. Yep. You have to think about all of those things when you're like, you yep. know, printing things out and signing them and doing all those kinds of. Yep. You know, as far as the saint, the sign signing and naming and all that, I write that on the mat. So that part's not a problem for me. Uh -huh. And I also do borderless printing that way. I just have to drop it in the hole of my mat. But like I say, make sure everything artists tend to, especially like people who draw them, they get a sketchbook and that's what size their picture is. <laughs> and they don't realize, okay, well, you just made someone buy a $40 custom cut mat to put your picture in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, they don't, they come back and go, you cost me $200 for your cool print. I love your print, but I had to pay $200 for that. <laughs> Whereas you can make it easy. They can buy a $5 or $500 frame for my stuff. And they get it on their wall faster and they look at it all the time and they love it. And then when they see me again, they want to come back and get something that complements what they've already got. Yeah. So it helps drive repeat customers. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, anytime where you're setting yourself up to, you know, well, to for your customers to have a good experience, mm -hmm. it's not a hassle and they can just, you know, go home and enjoy the artwork or the photo or whatever it is. Yep. And not have to do anything, you know, because then yep. it becomes a stress. Like they've yep. got to go and get the thing 
perfect or whatever. And it's like, they just wanted to put it on their wall. <laughs> exactly. How many people do you know have a pile of art sitting there going, I got to get those frames sometime. Yeah. Whereas if it's ready to go, they just walk in Michael's or whatever and buy 11 by 14 frame and yeah, throw it in there and on like, the wall. Put it on there. That's awesome. Yep. So are you showing at shows? Is that where you primarily sell or you have? Yeah. On, online has been really bad for me selling. I'm, I, out. Instagram used to be great. Then Facebook bought it and brought the algorithm on board. And then now it's don't get me started on that. I'll rant for days. <laughs> but yeah, I do shows like I do uh, art walk every year. Um, I used to do the art crawls. I do the punk rock art shows. I do things like um, I'm also, I just got accepted to Montebello's Art in the Park. It's coming up uh, in April, I think. I have to look at the calendar. But that's usually, that's a fun one. It's actually in Oral Park in Montebello. So you get to see the art and you walk around and see the trees that the guy there carved up. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I do other shows. Um, I just did the Cahaba Night Bazaar weekend okay. before or last weekend. That was nice. I, I do a few different ones, different places. I've done um, the River Clay Festival in Decatur. Wow. Yeah. My wife is a photographer as well, except she takes what I call pretty pictures. She's more traditional, does flowers yeah. and really nice looking things. So some of the bigger shows we'll both do. Yeah. Some of them she'll just do and I go along and help. But it just kind of depends on whether I think it's my crowd or not. Because some of the shows we're expecting it to be, you know, 50 plus year old ladies who like pretty flowers. They don't give, they don't want to see the Hulk smashing a car in front of the Radio <laughs> City Music Hall. Yeah, that's so, not know, their audience. Would, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, like, do you ever do anything like... um like another like biker rallies and gatherings and things like that. Do you do stuff I like start, that? I started out that way. I literally had a plastic box that I would strap to the CC bar of my motorcycle and I would go out to the swap meets and I would borrow a little bit of table space from one of my friends who had a, had a bigger setup and I just sit there and sell prints. That's how I got started. And wow. that kind of grew from there. And then my wife, I got her convinced she wanted to start selling prints. So her and another friend of ours, we all went together and would share a tent at shows. And then we all grew from there. And now we all have our own tents and full displays. And, and wow. I've kind of grown it from there because I tell young artists all the time, when you're ready to start doing shows, get with me and I'll tell you the cheap ways to set up a decent looking display so that you look like you're at least semi-professional without spending way too much money before you get deep enough in to know if you really want to do this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, a lot some artists are so introverted that they're never going to do well selling at a show. That's what they need to make friends with their extrovert friends to sell their stuff for them. And then there's some of us that are <laughs> kind of halfway between introvert and extrovert. And we'll, we'll go out there and talk people into buying our stuff. So, you know, yeah. until you find out where you are on that spectrum, you don't want to spend, you know, thousands of dollars on a display that you're going to use twice and then realize that that's just not your gig and you get out of it. Yeah, that's very true. Like, what are some of the tips that you have for people who are starting out doing that? Well, one of the easiest ones, when you when you get a tent, first off, if you get a tent, try to get one that's put together with screws instead of rivets because you can repair it. Mm. It costs a little more, but it saves you money down the road because even if you decide not to do it, you can resell that one. Yeah. But like for racks, uh, those white metal racks that everybody has in their closet at home, you can buy those at garage sales for five dollars. Well, you, you know they have that little lip on the edge. You take two of those, put them together, put some zip ties down the side, and now you got this standing little L rack that you can put on the corners of your tent to hang stuff on. 
Yeah. Or you can zip tie them sideways, hanging from the side of your tent, and that little lip helps hold your pictures up there. Oh. Little things like that. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Because that's one of those things that I've kind of started. I Like, I've done two shows. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at. <laughs> it kind of, shows, shows are kind of a pain. It's actually... I've got physical injuries from doing some of these shows because I'm having to carry around all this stuff being so heavy. And, yeah, and you, yeah. It's, it's a lot of pain. work. It's a lot it of is. work. It is. Brian Burks and I have planned to do a little series of workshops to help younger artists figure out how to do these things. Yeah. He's, you know, he got into the tattooing thing now, so his time is taken up. So I'm not sure where we're going to do it, but we're trying to at least, if there's any younger artists that want to know these things, they can get a hold of me through through my social media or even Birmingham oddities. And I'm happy to share all my information because I don't consider any other artist as competition. Nobody, even if they're another toy photographer, because my stuff is my stuff. You're not doing my stuff. So I, I don't, we're not competing. So I have no problem helping you yeah. Whether you're a photographer, regular artist, whatever. I may not know the info for your medium, but I'll still share with you what I know to try to help you get going in the painless, most painless way possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things where um, you don't really know where to get started. You know, you think about, okay, I need tables, I need tents. Yep. Then what? You know, yep. how am I going? How am I going to hang it up? How am I going to display it? Yep. And the little secrets like not going to the store and buying something brand new. Go to Facebook Marketplace or join the art groups and find an artist who's getting out of it and buy their stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Get it at a fraction of the price. Yeah, that's true. Yep. You probably find all kinds of like display shells yep. and things like that that you could just change it, change yep. it out, or you know, um, like I thought about like um like for smaller prints, like um like card displays. Yeah. Yeah, I've got I've got a greeting card rack and we don't use it much anymore, but we've got it because we were doing postcards and greeting cards for a while, my wife and I. Yeah. And those work, those work great. If that's, if that's the size of your medium, that's perfect for that because they can come up, spin around it. It's got a little slot on top, put your price, you know, a little sign on there saying whatever your price is or whatever info you want. You may say, you know, these are from this place, depends on what you got. Yeah. And there's just little things like that. And a lot of artists upgrade to newer stuff. So they sell their older stuff and you may, it may not be a fancy setup, but at least it's a basic setup for you to start with just like they did. And, you know, just kind of work your way up the ladder because, like I said, there's no need to showing up with a $1,500 tent at a $25 show. (laughs) This couple that my wife and I know, they retired and got into it and they showed up at the show and their tent was literally $1,500. And they were doing these giant plexiglass prints, which were beautiful. But they were paying top dollar for them, and so they were trying to sell them for a lot of money, but nobody knew who they were as artists, and they were at a show that wasn't really appropriate for where they were at, what they were doing, and it's like, you know, that's that's one of the hard things about being an artist is finding the shows that's got your people there. Yeah, that's true. Because just because you go to a show and don't sell a single thing doesn't mean you're a bad artist. It means you're at the wrong show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that, I think that's one of those things, too, when people are there and they're at their show and they've got all set up and maybe they didn't think about, you know, what the show was going to be like and who was going to be there. Yep. And then they're there and they're like the odd, you know. Yeah, right. 
they're they're the artists with the skulls and demons, and they're at a show where everyone else has vases of flowers. Yeah, and it's like, okay, that's probably not your crowd. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But then you People go to are another kind of show. Scared to go in. <laughs> yeah. And then you go to another show where everybody has demons and skulls, and you're the artist that paints unicorns. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you just got like I say, you got to kind of go to first off. You got to go to the events. And then you got to talk to your friends that do events and say, okay, where's, where are my people at? And then just experiment around until you get a kind of a feel for who your people are. And then you can start going to bigger shows that kind of have the same feel and finding those. And mm-hmm. like, hopefully soon I'm going to try to start doing like comic cons and stuff. Oh but yeah. Some of those are pretty expensive to get into though. I mean, if it's a $500 booth fee and that means I got to sell, you know, 25 pictures before I even pay for my booth. Yeah. So yeah, yeah you, you gotta fit. You gotta balance all that stuff out. Yeah, and you probably want to go and see, you know, what other people's setups are like. Who else yep. is selling there? Are there right. other toy photographers there that are doing something similar? Right. You know, maybe they're well, more well known in that exactly. circle of shows or something, and then. Yep. You might end up losing money, you know, because not because it's not good enough, but because of all these other variables. Right. It's the wrong show for you. Yeah. Yeah. You you picked a $500 show when it's only your third show of ever showing anything. And, you know, you're probably not going to make money in that situation. You start out with the smaller shows. There's lots of good shows around here that are in the 20 to $75 range for, for entry fee. And even if you don't make any money, you at least get knowledge from the um, event and doing the thing so that it's worth the money you spent because you got enough knowledge from it to know what to do next time. You consider that an investment, not a loss. Yeah, yeah. So you're learning as you go along. The more shows you do, you pick up on the things that you need to do better or change, you know. Yeah. Um, one thing that I've always wondered too, and me and my husband have had like a a whole discussion about this because I'm sort of introverted. I can be more extroverted if I have to, like Mm -hmm. in the situation where I'm talking with you or like, you know, at an art show or whatever, but he, but he's very extroverted. Right. He, but his take on it was to not speak to people coming into your tent. Right. Letting them walk around and be comfortable and then yep. saying something to them. Yeah. What is your take on that? It kind of depends. You kind of see the person. When you see that person whose face lights up because they saw the picture of Baby Yoda and coming <laughs> over, you immediately start talking to them. Yeah. <laughs> but if you see the person right. kinda just kind of eases up because they're kind you can just kind of tell they're tentative. You just let them look around and just say, hey, you know, if you need any questions, let me know. You acknowledge them, but you don't necessarily start a conversation with them. You acknowledge everybody, but you don't have to start talking to them. And like I say, you just kind of feel it becomes a feel thing. And sometimes you come up with feels that you say over and over again. You can ask anybody who's been at a show and sit up next to me. They get pretty tired of hearing me telling people, hey, all of my prints come with a free story, even if I have to make it up. <laughs> and of course, everybody laughs when they hear it the first time. Yeah. Because so, they're a new customer. But all the, you know, I say it over and over again because it works. You just, you, it's kind of a tagline for me now. Yeah. Oh, it's so fun. Because my wife, she doesn't really talk to people a lot until she's kind of the same way. She's a little introverted. So she doesn't talk to everybody as soon as they come in. But what I figured out too is like, like I say, her photography is more traditional. 
So people are already coming in there open-minded about buying that kind of art. Mm -hmm. Toy photography, we're all been trained from a young age that that's a bunch of toys we're grown up. We don't play with toys anymore. Mm -hmm. So I kind of have to sell my art a little more. And yeah. that's the way I approach it. Because I used to sell Harleys uh, for a little while. So I, I had to learn sales techniques and I kind of had to learn to, you know, they say, well, I don't have any room on my wall. Well, here, you know, here's what I do about that. I have a wall. I rotate my art every three to six months. So that way you don't get tired of it because you realize you walk in a room three years later and you haven't looked at that piece of art in, in three years. Time uh -huh. to change it. So you, you kind of come up with ideas like that. So when they give you their reasons why they can't get it, the, uh, you got an answer for that. Well, yeah. like with my stuff, there's guys come in, they're like, oh, I would love to have this. You can just tell they want it, but they're afraid their friends are going to make make fun of them. Oh, so what, the, what happens, their wives will buy it for them, though, and that way they can tell their friends, oh, my wife bought me that. I had to put it on the wall. But really, he's sitting there <laughs> grinning like a little kid every time he looks at it. Oh, it's so fun. <laughs> but yep. see, like, I, honestly, like, I feel like novelty is a big thing right now. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and, and toys, it's all about like that, that novelty and those memories and stuff. Novelty and nostalgia. If you can combine those two, especially with an older person, yeah. you're going to get it. The younger crowd, they don't have the memories as much yet. Yeah. So them, you got to catch with it being eye catching and fun. But like the older ones, you like I've got pictures of my of an old $6 million man figure from the seventies where he's running through the woods and people love that. Yeah. And a lot, most of my Batman stuff is the Adam West Batman from the 60s. So everybody loves that, which that was a funny story. When I was taking that picture, my wife was like, what are you doing? I'm like, it's in my head. It has to come out. And it's been one of my biggest sellers. It's Batman on the rope ladder with the shark biting his leg from that scene in the, the movie from the 60s. Yeah. He's got the can of bark, the bat shark repellent in his hand. Oh, that's so fun. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, you know, I, I I think again, it comes down to the right, the right people in the right place, you know. Yep. Because I mean, there's going to be some people who are going to be like, ah, you know, they're not going to be excited no matter what you say to them about right. it. that's not their thing. But right. I do feel like nostalgia and novelty and those, you know, and I think too because you're involved with a lot of the punk rock show stuff. Mm -hmm. That's that's probably. A really it's a more open-minded crowd. Yeah, it's a more open-minded crowd, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so when what which one of those are you involved in? The true like, story? Yeah, all the one all any of them that Brian Burks does. Yeah. I do all those. Um, I did one punk rock flea markets. Um, that was when they were back at Saturn. I haven't done any of the ones they've done at Cahaba yet. Um Mostly because I usually end up finding out about it too late or whatever. So I just, you know, I don't get a chance to get in there. But um, that's really the main ones like that I do. It's the ones that Brian puts on. Yeah, I think the flea markets are different. Like Brian puts on the art, the right. show. And Raquel, I think is her name. Uh, I think yeah. that's her name. And she puts on those. It's a totally different person. And it's a different thing. But they they do kind of overlap in crowds. So it's good that, you know, if you're at one, you can do usually good at the other as well. Yeah. And there's like um, some going on in Nashville and there are um, and different places I like that. Probably wouldn't go to Atlanta, but I might try Nashville because actually my stepson lives in, in Nashville. So I can combine it with a trip to see the grandkids. Yeah. Yeah. And I may try to do some of the ones in um, 
Montgomery. Oh. That, um, um, I didn't know there were any going on down in Montgomery. Yeah, it's it's um, Jeremy Aiken, uh, Glory Aiken's. Oh husband. yeah, yeah. He's mm-hmm. he's got a band going, and he's figured out that hey, if I'm going to get my artwork out here, I need to do it myself. So he started promoting some shows down there, kind of like what Brian's doing here. Mm-hmm. And he's had he has artists at him as well, along with some bands. So uh, he's doing those down there. He does a couple up here because he uh, does a little heavier music than the punk rock stuff. Yeah. And um, they're kind of catching on. I may try to do some of those. Oh, that's um, fun. Yeah. I'm really glad that, and I feel like it's so important that artists are supporting other artists. Oh, yeah. And not com- not being afraid of, like, losing a spot at the table or losing a customer because this other artist is – you know, like, I feel like it's just so important for us as artists to support each other. Yes. Because well, people don't realize that when you add seats at the ta- this art table we're at, it doesn't take up more space. It actually grows the table. Yeah. And when you grow the table, more people can see it and come to it and get more, find different things. Because there may be somebody who comes over because they're attracted to something an art, other artist did and they buy something there, but they would glance up and see your stuff being nearby and go, I need some of that too. So you don't, like <laughs> I say, I don't think of anybody as competition. I think of everyone else as just more, more honey to bring the flies in so we can all, you know, progress our art and sell more of our art. Yeah. I, and you know, like the more people that come together and do stuff, the louder the voice is like, if yes. you're insisting on, doing it on your own and being on your own because you're afraid of that competition, then you're going to lose out, you know, like you're not going Mm -hmm. to be heard as easily if you joined. Right. Exactly. Cause say you get a show that has three artists and they all put out, say every artist in any of these shows put that same amount of social media invites, blah, blah, blah. You got an artist with three shows. You get just this little noise. You get an artist with 20, a show with 20 artists. Well, that's 20 people putting 20, you know, that's 17 more people putting out the same, the information growing to different people. So you get a bigger crowd coming to your event to see your art. Yeah. 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 I think it's really important. And I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up too, because I think it's, you know, and I don't know, maybe it's the, the digital, time that we're in with social media and everything where people are more competitive or comparing themselves because of whatever, how many people are following them or how many likes or whatever they're getting, or, you know, that it's hard to understand that there's, there's enough for everybody. It doesn't have to be like, yeah, exactly. Well, if you look at, um, Say you look at my Instagram and look at one of my friends' Instagram. We have a lot of overlap, but oh, we still yeah. both get the same amount of likes, just because our because we're friends with people who like what both of us do. That's why that person and I are probably friends because we all like the same things, and so it just kind of helps spread it out. It it doesn't have to be a competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Friendly rivalry is fine, but don't make it a competition. Don't get <laughs> mad about it. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> a little like shit talking on the side. Oh, yeah, you, know, yeah like... you gotta trash talk your buddies. That's just part of being friends. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, if you're not trash talking, are you really friends? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, so um, do you have like any artists that are particularly inspiring to you in your work or even like um, associations where people are sharing their work that do similar things or um, like out there? As far as artists, my one of my biggest inspirations is like Frank Cosetta. Loved, always loved his art. And then there's comic book artists like um, Ernie Chan was an, an inker on the old Conans, um, Jack Kirby, all, all the greats from the comic books because a lot of my stuff is inspired by comic book art. Yeah. I'll, Sometimes when I get an idea, I go looking for an issue of the comic book that, to get ideas on how to pose the figures to kind of be along with that feel. Yeah. The movies do a little bit, but not much. As far as groups, I haven't, some of the, a lot of the comic or the toy figure groups I've tried to get into end up ending clickish, And so I end up not getting too involved with them. That or Instagram with their famous algorithm screws it up where I end up not seeing half the stuff. And, you know, <laughs> even though I've followed that person now, I'm not seeing that person's stuff. And so yeah. I just kind of, I'm social media is on my last nerve right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm right there with you. I'm like, I don't know what's going on anymore, but yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, that's yep. really cool. I mean, like, I don't, you know, and when you're not in, so involved in like a particular form of creativity, you don't realize all of the things that like there are groups who do this and there are people out there who are, you know, yep. this, their thing and and that's how they're you know doing their photography or whatever have you felt like there's any particular like you've mentioned a few of them where you're like that's a really big seller so like do you have particular sort of themes that are more um interesting to people like that you sell more of well it's like in my landscape pictures i've got a picture of the alabama theater that I took from the office building over the Lyric Theater before yeah. it was restored. I was like one of the first, I was the first person to go into some of these rooms in the building. So I got this really unique picture of the Alabama Theater, but the window was so filthy that the picture looked bad. So I had to get creative and use crazy contrasts and textures and all that stuff and end up making, made this really neat looking picture of the Alabama Theater. If you go to my webpage, you'll see it's the, it's the red Alabama picture. Yeah. That one really sells because it's a unique picture of the Alabama. And then there's like the old penny dog food sign from the viaduct in front of Sloss Furnace. That one really sells because if I had a dollar for every story I had about that sign, I could retire because <laughs> everybody has a penny story. Oh, wow. But the Star Wars pictures sell really well. Like um, the latest one I have that's selling really well, of course, is Baby Yoda. Oh, that's awesome. And that's just that's just the <laughs> standard target. Um, he's about that tall. Yeah. Um, figure. It's one of the best I've seen that's not stupid high dollar. And yeah. I went out in my backyard and posted him behind a tree. Oh and that's everybody loves everybody loves baby Yoda. And then, like I take my toys on vacations with us. Half the time when we go on a trip, the car is more full of boxes of my toys than it is luggage. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I've got other pictures of Mandalorian and Baby Yoda that I took on the beach at Tybee Island near Savannah. And then I've got Wonder Woman pictures I took on the beach there. And, and um, 
things like this from different places. But yeah, those those sell really well. Um, the kind of weird thing is, is people I have like a period where everybody's asking me, oh, I need you getting Spider Man, getting Spider Man. So I finally get some Spider Man, and then nobody wants Spider Man anymore. <laughs> And then a little oh, while later, God. when I give up on it and I moved on to something else, all of a sudden, all the Spider-Man sells out. It's like, ah. what is going on with you people? There's there's no rhyme or reason to some of it. Some of it's just having cool stuff at the right time when the right person yeah. sees it and they go crazy over it. Just cycling through, you know, yeah. or that yep. one person that everybody knows bought one of your prints and they saw it. And then there's like, yeah. you know. Everyone else has to have it. Yeah, and if I have a variation right. of it, they want that one because it's not quite exactly like the one their friend has. Oh, like that yeah, baby, yeah. Yoda, that baby Yoda one. I also have a version where I cropped it portrait instead of instead of landscape. Yeah. And so one person will buy the one, and their friend will buy the other one because oh, they both want the picture. But that way, they're not the same exactly the same picture. <laughs> oh, it's awesome! <laughs> it's just those little things, you know. That's it. Like it just has to be different enough that it makes yeah. it special for that particular person. Exactly. I've got um, pictures of angels, um, cemetery statues that I take. Yeah. And there's this one, she's about four and a half, five feet tall. But the reason why most people buy it is because it reminds them of the evil angels on Doctor Who. Oh, okay. So you never know why someone's going to buy a picture. It's like, yeah. you, I, I thought it was a great picture and I sold it to people who love cemeteries and then all of a sudden a bunch of people started going, that's the angels from Doctor Who. They started buying them. So like, whatever makes you love it, I'm happy with it. Go for it. In your mind, you're thinking, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Like, maybe I, I should start watching Doctor Who more often. Check that out. <laughs> yeah. Well, yep. thank you so much, Jeff, for talking to me today. And I got to say, no I'm super excited about your work. And I think it's awesome. I mean, I, I just love the idea of it. It's very fun and, you know, exciting too. Like you're creative and having to come, like combine things to make the image work the way that it needs to. Yep. Well, real quick, you want to see my little, one of my okay, little tables yeah. and these stuff on? Let me see if I can make the camera switch here. How do you do that? Uh, then I may end up just turning this around, but oh, wait a minute, it's here. There you go. Yeah, this is the table where a lot of it happens. That's that building I was telling you about. Nice. See, it's just a cardboard box, basically. And then that's Wonder Woman, the picture, the picture I showed you before. That's her golden lasso. That's little, I don't know what that, what you call that. It's like I bought it at fabric store. Well, there's some Batman stuff and different toys, different lights. Oh, yeah, the lighting. And then there's part of my office, the just so you know, toys are everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's that's kind of this is where a lot of the magic happens. That is so cool. And that I mean, I just, you know, just seeing your your setup and all the things that you're you're working on there, it's like, okay. Yeah, and see how moving the camera in changes the perspective. Yeah. You know, it just looks like a bunch of toys there, but you come in here and now it's almost like you're standing in the scene. Yeah, yeah. That's what I end up playing with and stuff like that to to make it um, just to make it fun and cool. Yeah, I love that. That is awesome. Now, of course, 
And I, that's not going to go back where it was, but that's all right. <laughs> I'll move to it. <laughs> so where can we find, I mean, we've talked about all the places I think that you, you probably have your work at, but where would you like people to go? There you go. Awesome. Um, Instagram at custom Jeff, one word with a K. I also have one Instagram called kiss toys. It's literally what it is. It's the band kiss. I have different bunch of figures that I've awesome. shot and um, put on there. And then there's my what I see imagery.com. Um, I'll probably, hopefully, we'll have that updated before this airs. And yeah. of course, on Facebook, it's just custom Jeff Daly with a K. Yeah. That's Although awesome. on Facebook, you may, there's no telling what you'll see on there. It's probably, it may be better to follow me on Instagram to see toys. <laughs> well, um, I really appreciate you talking to me today, Joe. It's been really cool. And I've learned so much about what it is you're doing. And it's awesome. And I feel like I need to get, like, I need, need to go to your website and buy some stuff. I feel like my husband would this would be right <laughs> up this alley. You know, like, I know what you're talking about and stuff, but he's going to be the one that, like, really would be psyched, you know, and, yep. like, want stuff in his man cave. <laughs> yep. <It's, laughs> he wouldn't would be think, embarrassed either. He would be like, uh, check this out. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of people I like. <laughs> yep. And I appreciate you having me on here. It's nice to be actually be recognized as an artist instead of just the weird toy guy. <laughs> uh, you know. I mean, there are so many things that I would have to, you're, you're going to get me on a soapbox. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't, yeah. We could probably both rant for days about stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Art Talk with April. For more information on this episode, join the Facebook group, The Art Lounge. Please subscribe and share. See you next Tuesday. Hope you have a great week.